Luke chapter 7, I'm not going to read all this, but I want to read verse number 37. The Bible says, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. I like how God put that. She was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Let's go ahead and get 39. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. God said she was a sinner, but Simon said she is a sinner. I'm going to listen to God. What about y'all? I believe her sins are forgiven. Amen. Verse 47, Jesus said, Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Now chapter 8, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. Now we may look back at some of that, but I want to catch a few verses in John 12. I've been mentioning these verses, but I hadn't read them yet. John chapter 12, and in verse number 3, the Bible says, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein, let us pray. Father, we are grateful that you've let us be back in the house of God tonight. All the good singing, Lord, that we've enjoyed. My, what a blessing to be in your house, in your presence tonight. Now, Lord, we've opened this text, and we sure do need your help. Lord, as we tonight kind of try to wrap up her life, and Lord, I pray that everybody's here, their understanding, their ears would be open and hear what you want said. And Lord, we give you all the glory. We know without you we can do nothing. Please help us here a little while tonight 
In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. I guess the first thing we've learned about this lady, her last name is not Magdalene. Magdalene speaks of where she was from, the city of Magdala. She was called Magdalene. And we learned that Magdala was the equivalent of Las Vegas, Sin City. A lot of commerce, a lot of money, a lot of prosperity, but a whole lot of sin. And that's where this girl came from, the other side of the tracks. She looks like the picture of hopelessness. But I'm glad that Jesus can take the hopeless person and give them hope and save them just like He did her. We've learned a few things about her these nights. I hope that everybody here that's been in this meeting feels like that you know Mary a little bit better. Could you raise your hand and say, Preacher, I feel like I know her a little bit better. One day you'll get to meet her yonder in the city of God. If you wonder where she might be located, I'd say over near the throne and at the feet of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because we learned this, she loved much. You know, it's not the fine buildings or it's not the the dilapidated buildings. It's not the color of carpet. It's not the pews. But I'm telling you what makes a real worship service is when you get some people out there where you're sitting that love Jesus Christ. That's what makes revival. That's what makes church. That's how you see people get saved. We've got this thing backwards. You know, we think we need to go out here and win the lost, and we do. But we're not going to win the lost till we first, as God's people, uh, get our hearts right with the Lord. I believe there's a principle. People's always asking me, are you having a lot of people saved? I see a few people saved. I don't see nearly as many saved as we did back in the 70's and 80's. But you know the reason we saw so many saved then? It was not because of the times. It was because people had a love for Jesus Christ. And I don't mean to get off track, but I think I'm on track. Let's not forget one of the most powerful verses in the Bible about revival. It's found in 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people... Did you hear me? It didn't say if Democrats or Republicans or Libertarians or athletes or movie stars or music stars it said if my people. Now friends we got problems at the White House but that's just a symptom of the real problem. Here in North Carolina the problem is not at the White House but at the church house. And I'm here to tell you tonight that those people that we see so clearly they're not the problem they're just symptoms of the problem and you and I as God's people need to get right I know we don't want to hear that and by the way revival preaching has never been what we want to hear but what we need to hear 
We need to look one more time at our love for Jesus Christ. You'd be amazed at the problems that your church has. We've got several churches. Somebody said we're live streaming. Great. Thank God for that. I didn't know that. But I don't care what church you're from. There's problems in every church. Whoop, come on now. Now I'm meddling, right? I was preaching. Uh, now I'm meddling. No, I'm still meddling. You remember the story, Mom won't get off here, about the fella who got stranded on a deserted island. And he waited and nobody ever came. And days turned to weeks. Weeks turned to months. Months turned to years. And he's been on this deserted island, just him for years now. And finally one day, some rescue people came. And boy, he was glad to see them. And they said, we've come to rescue you and take you off of this deserted island. He said, I'm so glad you're here and I'm ready to get off this island. But before we go, fellas, can I show y'all what I've been doing these years? And they, he carried them down a path and, he, and they saw this building. And he said, hey, this is my house. I built this house. And I'd like for you to see it. So they looked his house over. And he said, hey, I, I want to show you something else I built. And he carried them down another path. And he said, that's the church I built. That's where I go to church. And then they were leaving. And the fellows that rescued him saw another path and a building across the way. And he ignored that building. And they said, wait a minute, what's, what's that? What's that building out there? He said, oh, pay that no attention. That's where I used to go to church. <laughs> You'll get that after a while. He can't even get along with himself. Come on now, you know it's right. If you're looking for the perfect church, you're, don't, please don't join it if you find it, because you'll mess it up. There is no perfect church. There's problems everywhere. You don't have to have a big crowd to have a lot of problems. Like that fellow on the island, all he needed was one to have discord. He had to leave the church, and he was the only one there. Well, friends, I'm here to tell you something tonight. We'd be amazed at the problems at church that would be solved if we had a real, genuine revival of loving the Lord. She loved much. My, my, I'm taking too long. She loved much. We might go in overtime. Isn't it amazing when you go to a ball game and when it goes in overtime, you don't see people saying, oh no, we're in overtime. Oh no. Man, they love it. That's the way people used to be at the house of God. Man, I'm telling you, I love this meeting. You know why? Because every night when it's time to go home, People don't want to go home. That's a good signal that God is visiting with His people. 
But I've been in some churches, you better get out of the way, man. It's like the Indianapolis 500. Churches are having to bank their parking lots so the cars can get out faster. Brother, I didn't come to get out. I came to get in. I'm having a good time tonight. And I just want to say, praise God. I want God to revive me so that the love I have for Jesus is what it ought to be. Do y'all agree that that would solve about 90% of our church problems if everybody just fell in love with the Lord Jesus Christ? (laughs) She loved much. Well, we also found this. This is a killer for a lot of people. She gave much. Her gift could have easily been valued $50,000 or more, much more. But she gave much. And then we found this last night, which brings me to my thought for tonight. She ignored much. You're going to have to learn to not fight everything that crosses your path. Sometimes we got to fight, but sometimes we don't got to fight. Sometimes we just got to keep going and keep worshiping the Lord. Mary Magdalene would have never got past that episode at the house of Simon the Pharisee if she would have attacked Simon or if she would have attacked Judas Iscariot. She ignored their criticism and she went on for God. You're going to have to learn to ignore some stuff. I mean, hey, nobody nobody likes to be criticized But if you serve God, you're going to be criticized. If you love Jesus, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, in all, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You live clean, you live holy, you be faithful, you give to God, you love God, and you're not going to be loved by this world i got to move. But tonight, she not only loved much, she gave much. We find out that she ignored much. But tonight, I believe we could be honest in saying she looked much. She kept her eyes on the right thing. You see there at Simon the Pharisee's house, who... Did she have her eyes on? Did she? That's right, children. Hey, man, help me out. We'll have youth meeting. We'll, we'll dismiss the adults and we'll have revival. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. These kids love that. Glory to God, church without mom and daddy. Lord, they'd be swinging on the light fixtures in 15 minutes. They'd holler Jesus every once in a while so we'd think it was right. But I'm here to tell you, friends, it's good to be saved. She kept her eyes on the right thing. She looked much. I'm not preaching on this, but when she broke that alabaster box, think about it, and the Bible said she wiped his feet with her hair. When I was a pastor, I used to tell our ladies, some of them didn't listen, most of them didn't listen, but I'd tell them that if you ever get a chance... To wash Jesus' feet, you ought to keep your hair long enough so you could dry His feet. 
with your hair. I didn't even get one amen on that. <laughs> what happened to y'all? Hallelujah. Well, you know, when she broke that, y'all still with me, aren't you? Y'all still love me, don't you? Glory to God, the children. Man, they're hoping mom and daddy's going to leave. Amen. Well, this woman, when she broke the alabaster box, I want to show you an outline I'm not preaching on. The ointment, first of all, got in her hair. What about that? See, a woman's hair is her glory. And that smell, that, that aroma, that, that beautiful, beautiful anointing oil got in her hair. But guess what else? When it got in her hair, it got in the house. Woo! <laughs> they didn't have to spray Febreze in that house. Say amen. They didn't have to bring out Lysol. Amen. You know, she had the smell in her hair. She had the smell in her house or Simon's house. First time anything sweet ever come out of Simon's house. Amen. The Bible said she fumed up the house. Think about this. You know, Calvary, and I'm heading there in just a minute, but we often don't really see what was going on at Calvary. Someday I'm going to preach a sermon on senses at Calvary. Senses, sight, sound, taste, smell, senses, feel, touch. You say, preacher, what, what do you mean by that? Well, anytime there was a crucifixion, y'all still with me, aren't you? Anytime there was a crucifixion, you know, we got an image in our mind what that is. Jesus was not the first crucifixion. It was Roman, Roman execution. That's how Romans executed criminals on a cross. But friend, it was not like the artists portray. It was not two little trickles of blood and a little bit of blood down the side, a little bit of blood in his eyes. No, it was like a massacre. It was torture. Uh, poor Jesus was ripped to shreds when he was on that cross. But there's something we don't often think about when we think about crucifixion. The smell of a crucifixion. You ever smelt blood? You ever been where they killed hogs or at a slaughterhouse? You ever smelled blood and guts? Well, friends, that's the smell of a crucifixion. Blood and guts. But I want y'all can get quiet if you want to. That's the way it was. But when the wind blew across that hill, for the first time in all history, a crucifixion had a sweet smell. Because Jesus had been anointed. Did not Jesus tell them when they started bickering about her gift, hey, leave her alone. She's done what she could. She's anointed my body for the burial. When the wind blows across Calvary, when I'm on Calvary's cross, you're not going to smell blood. You're not going to smell guts. You're going to smell the sweet fragrance of that anointing. I'm not preaching on that. That's pretty good stuff, ain't it? It got in her hair. It got in the house. It got up on the hill. Woo! Y'all getting ahead of me. But thank God after that, it got in the hole, in the tomb. You know, the smell of a tomb, 
the musty smell of a tomb, the smell of death. But when you walked in Jesus' tomb, it was a sweet smell. And all because of this woman. And i got to say this one more time. You know, they got mad about her gift. Judas Iscariot got it stirred up. He got all the disciples stirred up. And you know what Jesus said? Hey, fellas, in the future, when you preach the gospel, the death, the burial, and my resurrection, be sure when you preach this gospel that you don't forget her. Boy, he never said that about nobody. Don't forget what she has done. Because what she has done, she did for a memorial. That means she's unforgettable. You know the old devil will come by sometimes and say, God's done forgot you. Has he ever told you that? God's done forgot you. When I was laid up in that hospital all them days, Every once in a while the devil would come in my room as real as you're sitting here tonight and say, God's forgot you, boy. Look at you. You gave your life. You gave it all. And you've been running these roads. Now look at you. Where's God at? But you know, the next time the devil tells you that God has forgot you, you tell the devil, wait a minute. I'm unforgettable. I'm unforgettable. If you're a child of God tonight, you're unforgettable. Amen. She looked much, kept her eyes on the Savior. My, my. But you know, I've read every night Luke 8. And here's something we've got to keep our eyes on. We've got to look much. We've got to look much at sinners. You see, when we love much and we get really right with God, We'll start looking for sinners. Not to criticize them. Not to be harder on them than they're already facing. You know the Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. They don't need you to heap more on that. But you know Mary became a great soul winner. And you know the kind of people she won? People just like herself. Now, you're not limited to getting people saved. I've had people saved of every kind of persuasion. But, you know, you'll have a greater impact on people just like you. People, you know, I got saved as a boy, John, about your size. And you know how many boys that are about his size that I've led to Christ through the years? Because that's how I got saved. You see, God will use your experience and how you got saved to lead people in that were just like you. Now, I don't have time, but look here in verse number 3 of Luke 8. And Joanna. Joanna, according to the Bible, was just like Mary Magdalene. She had evil spirits. She had infirmities. She was just an old, dirty sinner girl. But when Mary got saved, she got to thinking, you know, Joanna needs what I got. And she went over. I can see her knocking on the door. Here comes Joanna, all messed up with sin. 
And Mary says, hey, Joanna, God has done something for me. Jesus got these devils out of me. Jesus has turned things around. And Joanna, what God did for me, God can do for you. Well, you know the end of the story. Joanna got saved by the grace of God. Once demon-possessed, once a great sinner, but now she's a saint of God. You that are taking notes, you know what Joanna's name means? It means God has been so good to me. Oh, how many of you tonight can say that God has been so good to me? Well, I can see Mary with her arm around Joe and, and they're weeping and they're happy. And Joanna's saying, thank you, Mary, for telling me all this. And you know, you reckon this would work for Susanna? Woo! Would it work for Susanna? Well, you know, she's just like us. She was demon-possessed, life of sin. So here they go over to Susanna's house. Here comes Susanna to the door. And, and they tell her the wonderful good news. Long story short, Susanna got saved. Her name means a beautiful white lily. The opposite of what you would think about a woman of her nature. But God can take a dirty girl and God can make her a white lily. A God can forgive of all sins. Well, there's three of them now that's saved. And the Bible says, and many others, we don't have their names, but they just went out soul winning. They went to all them girls that were just like them, and they won them to the Lord. When's the last time you got a burden for somebody? Now, you're not limited to people just like you, but people just like you, you'll have a great impact. Let's learn that lesson from the girl who looked much. She looked much at the Savior. She looked much at sinners. But let me say tonight, and we've got to move on. I've already told you a little bit about the cross, but Mary looked much at the sacrifice. If you'll study history, I don't have time to give you all of it from the Bible or from history, but if you'll read John 19, about 25 through 30, you'll see the crowd gathered around the cross. And right before Jesus died, He looked down at His mama Mary. Now Mary Magdalene's right beside of her. And there's John, John the Beloved. And He looked down at Mary. And she, He said, woman, He didn't call her mother. I'm glad He didn't call her mother from the cross because that would have brought confusion just like the Catholics' confusion. He looked down and said, Woman, behold thy son. And He looked over at John and said, John, behold thy mother. And from that day forth, John took Jesus' mama to be his own mama. And he took care of her. Can you see his mama weeping as John puts his arm around her and they walk away from the cross? I see spectators. I see haters. I see friends and followers. When Jesus gave up the ghost and everybody starts filtering away, 
But if we could somehow fly a little drone over the cross right now, everybody's leaving, everybody's gone. But if we could fly a little drone over the cross about now and zero in with a camera, you'd see somebody that's still there. She didn't leave. It's Mary Magdalene. She was the last one to leave the cross. She loved Him so much. She stayed at the foot of that cross all the way to the end and beyond the end. Mary was there when Nicodemus and Joseph of Amarathia took down his lifeless body. Mary, the girl from Sin City, she was there. She kept her eyes on the sacrifice. Friends, that's something that keeps my heart warm. That's something that keeps my heart in tune. When I keep my eyes on Calvary, on the sacrifice that Jesus made for my sins. But in closing tonight, she not only kept her eyes on the Savior, she kept her eyes on sinners. She kept her eyes on the sacrifice. But i tell you something else, she kept her eyes on that sepulcher where they laid the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Mary was the last one to leave the cross, but she was the first one at the tomb. Can you imagine? You need to read John 20. I don't have time to read it all tonight, but the Bible says, let's just go over there and read a little bit. It won't hurt us none. Look over here in John 20. In verse number 1, you're not far from it. John 20 and in verse number 1, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. The Bible says in verse 11, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, And as she wept, look what she did. She stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight she was the first one at that tomb. You know, if you'll research it, Mary was wondering, how in the world am I going to roll the stone away when I get there? It was a great stone. But you see what's happened? The stone's already rolled away. She didn't have to worry about it. Now some of you can't get a blessing there because you think the stone was rolled away to let Jesus out. No, no, no. He's already out. I said He's already out. And the only reason the stone was rolled away was to let us in. So we could come see the place where the Lord lay. You remember the story? I don't have time to give it all to you. You know, she went and got Peter and John. They done hit snooze on their alarm clocks. They were sleeping in. And she said, y'all need to wake up. Let's get over to the tomb. The stone's rolled away. He's not in there. Boy, here comes Peter and John. John outruns. You know the story, my love. Lord, don't you love to see her waking them backslid preachers up? Say amen right there. And here they all come to the tomb. Well, when all that kind of cleared out, There was a man standing there at the mouth of the tomb. She supposed he was the gardener. (laughs) 
And, you know, it's still dark, and she thought he was the gardener. And she said, Sir, if you've taken him away, if you've borne him hence, just tell me where you put him, and I'll, I'll go tend to him, and, and I'll, t- I'll take his body. And then he looked at her, and he said, Mary. Yeah. Woo! When he said Mary, yeah. all her questions were answered. The Son of God has gotten up from the grave. But i got to give you this tonight here in John 20. While, since we're here, if you look in verse 7, there's one detail at the grave that only John gives. Matthew, Mark, or Luke don't give it. Only John gives this detail. Notice, and the napkin. Matthew don't mention the napkin. Mark don't mention the napkin. Luke don't mention the napkin. But John mentions the napkin. You say, well, it's not important. If it wasn't important, it wouldn't be there. The Bible says in the napkin that was about his head. Now, we know he's wrapped in grave clothes. And then, Brother Jimmy, they, they wrap his face in a napkin. That's how they did it. And the Bible said when they came in that tomb... You just imagine Mary looking in that tomb and she sees the grave clothes. She can even smell those grave clothes. That smell that she anointed Him with for His burial. And she's looking puzzled. He's gone. He's gone. The grave clothes are empty. And all at once, Mary turns and she sees a napkin. A folded napkin. You say, preacher, what does that mean? If you'll study Bible manners and customs, if a householder was putting on a big feast and he's got all his associates and his family and all of of his contemporaries with him at this big meal... And for some reason, one of the servants come, whisper in his ear, and says, Master, I'm sorry. There's an emergency. You've got to come with me. He leaves that table. Now, he can do one of two things. He can take his napkin, he can crumble it up, and throw it down. Or, he can take his napkin, fold it neatly, lay it beside of his plate. And when the servants come by, they know there's a message in that napkin. If he's crumbled it up, throwed it down, the master's not coming back. But when they come and they see that napkin, it's folded neatly. Whoop! Y'all getting ahead of me. And the servants would see that napkin... And they say, hey, everybody, have no fear. The Master's coming back. Mary didn't fully understand the resurrection. But when she saw that napkin, she knew the Master was coming back. She knew the Master was coming back. Can I tell us something here tonight at the house of God? 
Every time you get disheartened, it looks like we're losing, looks like we're going down in defeat. The napkin is still folded and Jesus is coming back. When these things begin to come to pass, don't bow your head in despair and depression. He said, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. And this could be that very hour. It'd do us all good to learn some lessons from a little girl who don't know much. But she knew what that napkin meant. And she knew He was coming back. Do you feel like sometimes it ain't never going to happen? Well, friend, it's going to happen. Hallelujah. You know, the earth, the Lord God created the earth in six days. Seventh day He rested. You know, one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. If we hold to that pattern, it's been 6,000 years since Jesus came. The sixth day. And aren't you glad the seventh day, the millennial, the thousand year kingdom, it's getting ready to come to pass. You know, if the Lord should come tonight, all our troubles, all our sicknesses, all our sorrows, all of that will be left behind and we'll be caught up together. How many of you know somebody there? Do you know somebody there? Woo! God said we're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Just imagine one day you're just fighting the devil with all you've got. You ever felt like every time you take a step forward, you just bump right into the devil? You ever feel like that? Man, he tries to stop you. But one of these days when you bump into the devil and you glance down, you're going to be standing on white clouds. And you're going to look up. And it's not going to be the devil you bumped into. It's going to be Jesus. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Give Him a hand clap tonight. Friends, the napkin is folded. Maybe you ought to just keep one in your purse or keep one in your pocket. Every once in a while, just touch it and say the Master is a coming back. <laughs>